So good to be with you guys today. Um, have you, I'm sure we've all, you know, or at least most of us who've done a little bit of traveling have heard this kind of spiel given. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying with us today. On behalf of our crew, I ask that you please direct your attention to the monitors above as we review the emergency procedures. To buckle your seatbelt, put the ends together until clicks then put in the strap, safe, uh, firm and secure against your waist. There are six emergency air exits on this aircraft. If you please take note of where they are. Some of these exits might be behind you. Should the cabin experience sudden pressure loss, stay calm and listen to the cabin or two instructions from the cabin crew. Oxygen mass will drop from your seat above. Place the mask over your mouth and nose and it like this. Pull the strap to tighten it. If you're traveling with others or children, make sure that you um, make sure that your own mask is put on before helping your children. We ask that you make sure that all carry-on luggage is stowed in safely and securely uh, during the flight. While we take off, please take note that um, a moment or take take a, mo a moment to review these safety instructions and know that that luggage might. Uh, move during the turbulence of the plane. Thank you so much for flying with us. We hope you enjoy your flight. Now, how many of you were already like, Ricky, we get it, please stop talking. <laughs> right? And, and so actually I did that on purpose, go through kind of like the whole spiel of what the flight attendant does on the plane. Because we've all heard it. And maybe the first time you fly, you're like, what are they going to say? And you're kind of interested. But maybe during the first flight, you're like, I'm checking out. But for sure, after that first flight, anytime you hear this, you're just like, I don't, I don't care what you're saying. I don't, unless you don't say what you normally say, I'm not going to pay attention because I'm so used to this and it's boring, doesn't really apply to me. And, and we, we just check out. We're not, we're not listening. We're not paying attention. Uh, President Franklin Roosevelt Back in the, in the 40s during the, the Great Depression, during World War II, he would greet so many people, and he would say something to them, and he, he just kind of took note, man, nobody really listens to anything that, that I say. And so there was this long receiving line uh, there at the White House, and he was just like, I'm just going to try this out. And so, so many people would come, oh, hey, nice to meet you, Mr. President. And he just said, I'm going to say something so weird just to see who's listening. I killed my grandma. And they, I killed, that was what he just said, is I killed my grandma. And every person over and over would be like, oh, that's nice, marvelous, keep up the good work. Thank you, Mr. President. Over Person after person after person, they're just not listening. And then eventually this ambassador from Bolivia, uh, you know, <laughs> Roosevelt said, hey, I killed my grandma. He leans in and he says, I bet she had it coming. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is kind of like, we all struggle to listen. Maybe it's your spouse or your friend, and they said something, and we, weren't, we, didn't, we didn't really hear them, weren't really paying attention. Later on, you kind of find out that you weren't really listening or paying attention to your spouse, or they weren't paying attention to you. And they're like, well, didn't you hear me? Well, I thought, I thought this is what you said. Well, no, that's not what I said. Like, well, whoops, you know. Um, we're off the, the famous scene off in Dumb and Dumber. I don't know. She gave me some stuff about me not listening to her or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Right? That, that's kind of all of us. 
We, we, we struggle to listen to one another. We struggle to listen to our spouse. We struggle to listen to our boss, our coworker, our kids. What about it when God speaks? What about the creator of the universe? If he's speaking, do we struggle to listen? Do we struggle really to pay attention, to hear what our Savior has said or, or is still saying? Does God ever feel like the, the, the flight attendant on a plane? Like, I don't know if anybody really cares what I'm saying. And they've just checked out. And so today in this, this, this story, this, this parable, this, this parable challenges the hearers, challenges the crowds, challenges us today. Hey, are we really hearing? What, are, what is our response to the word of God and what he is saying? And how does this really affect us in, in our lives today? And so, if you got a Bible, open up to Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is the first book of the New Testament. So, go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So, um, chapter 13 is basically a chapter of parables. And so, what is a parable? A parable, it's a story, but it's more than a story. It's an illustration, but it's not just in illustration either. So a parable starts off with something familiar to the listeners. And so today, and if you look at a lot of the, the parables that Jesus speaks, he uses a lot of agriculture, a lot of farming, because that's what was uh, very common, uh, very familiar in, with, with the place that he was in Israel. Today, there's pretty much no doubt in my mind that Jesus would be making references to Star Wars or Marvel movies. <laughs> oh, Ricky, you're so like Jesus. Well, thanks, guys. Um, but there, there's, um, it's usually this practical story, a parable, and it's expressing different elements to, to express a spiritual truth. And usually a parable has one kind of main meaning that it's trying to get across. And then it's trying to move the listeners to reflect not just on who Christ is and on who God is, but also on themselves. So it's a window to kind of see God, but it's also a mirror to look at yourself and to do some self-examination. And um, if you are, again, just kind of a little bit of a difference, so I am using a Marvel movie, like if uh, a parable to just any kind of story. If you're watching a movie, or let's say The Avengers, you're not really pressed to think of who am I in the movie. I know it's like, well, hey, I naturally look like Thor. That must be me, whatever. Um, yes, Ricky, um, thanks. Um, but, but, you're, but you're really just kind of watching it. You're not really thinking, who am I? You might be thinking, whose powers do I want? But you're not really thinking the point of this movie is to find yourself in it. But a parable is kind of, it is doing that to you. It's like, hey, it's challenging and moving you to be like, to think of who you are in the story. To, for you to identify um, who you are. Um, when you're reading parables, Remember that, again, it has one main, main point, and that not every single thing in the parable represents something else. Sometimes people get really crazy with a lot of interpretations. Oh, like this means this, and this means that. Is this other person? Um, you know, again, it's, it's usually a simple story to express a practical truth, a practical spiritual truth. And not all of the parables are interpreted. Today, the one that we're looking at is interpreted by Jesus. So th that's just kind of what a parable is. Next question is... Well, then why does Jesus speak in parables? I think some of us could be like, oh, yeah, story time. I love it. And then the rest of us might be like, 
wait a minute, Jesus, why don't you say exactly what you mean? Why do you need to share a story? Why do you need to talk in parables? Why don't you just say, just make it very clear, make it very plain. And the disciples actually ask Jesus that question. And so in verses 1 through 9, Jesus gives the parable, and then look at verse 10. Then the disciples came up, and they asked Jesus, why are you speaking to them in parables? This is something I like about the disciples is they just ask questions like, hey, why, why are you doing this? And, and so Jesus gives them the, the, the explanation of, hey, why, don't, why, don't you, why are you talking like this? Why don't you just say that you mean? So look at verse 11. He answered, because the secrets of the kingdom have been given for you to know, but has not been given to them. For as more will be, um, whoever has, more will be given, and he who has, um, and he will have more than enough. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, that might sound kind of confusing, but, but when Jesus is, is speaking here, um, and even talking about like, hey, what's hid from them, or the secrets of the kingdom, he, he's saying, that the, this, the, these hidden truths are being revealed. It's not like this mystery, like, oh, hey, you have to be super smart to figure it out. But the, to the people that are, are listening, they will receive more because they're listening. To the people that are not listening, even the little bit that they have, because they're not listening, it's going to go away. And so, so Jesus, his answer of like, hey, why am I talking to you in, in parables? To, he, he's kind of saying, hey, these parables help move people a direction. If they're listening and being humble, and they're, they're trying to receive the king, trying to, to listen to God, the parable is going to move them closer to understanding more of Jesus. To those, um, and he talks about it when he says, um, you're, uh, this is what's fulfilled in Isaiah. He's like, your hearts are callous, right? Your, your, your ears are dull of hearing. To those that are not hearing, that are hard-hearted, a parable is going to be, these parables are going to be something that, because they're, they're just not going to pay attention at all. They're not going to listen at all. And so, hey, I want to help you guys understand more. And to these people that won't listen, it doesn't even matter how I say it. Even if I say it plainly, it's not going to be helpful to them. And so, uh, Jesus is saying that, and then he goes on, verse 13 of just why he's speaking to them in parables. Hey, that's why I speak to them in parables, because, hey, you're listening, you'll be able to see, but those, that, uh, because looking, they do not see, and hearing, they do not listen or understand. Um, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in which it says, you listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown callous. It's not because they're not smart enough and can't, like, decipher the parable. Their heart's the problem. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back, and I would heal them. And so, hey, the parable is so that the spiritually sensitive could understand, but the hard-hearted, because they're, they're just, their hearts are so hard, they're not going to understand. Again, this is not a head problem, because I think a lot of times when we hear these stories, when we hear the Bible, we think, well, I just don't know enough. I'm just not smart enough. I'm, I'm not, I didn't go to seminary. I'm not a pastor. I'm not like so-and-so, right? Jesus is not saying that that's the problem. Jesus is saying it's a heart problem, not a head problem. That's, 
And I'm speaking in these parables, Jesus is speaking these parables to help the people understand more that are really listening to God and soft-hearted. And then those that are hard-hearted, it's, they're kind of continuing to push away. They don't want to listen, right? They have ears, but they're not listening. And so what, what, and then he says, this is fulfilled. Just like Isaiah said, the hearts are hardened. And so something to even think about is what prevents people or prevents you from listening? I mean, it could just be pride. You know, thinking, well, I don't need to listen. I already know, I already know enough. I don't need to see what God thinks of that. I already know what I think of that or what this world thinks of that. Maybe there's an unwillingness to change, not wanting to repent. I mean, I've been there where there's like, hey, there's this sin in my life, and I don't really want to ch- turn from it. I don't want to turn from it and turn to Christ. And so then I'm like, well, then am I really listening to God's speaker, God's spirit convict me or, or God's spirit speak through other people? No, I don't really want to listen to it. Maybe you've experienced that or you've experienced that when you went and talked with somebody and it didn't matter how amazing you said it. They're not going to listen because why? They want to stay in their sin. What else prevents us from, from listening to God? Listen to his words. Maybe, maybe it's caring too much about what others think. I think a big one is just Apathy. Right, if you don't care, you're probably just not really going to listen. I think that's honestly one of the biggest dangers to Christianity is apathy. Not necessarily like atheism. What keeps you from listening? Because over and over in, the, in, in this text, if you notice a lot of words that are repeated, ears, hearing, eyes, seeing, he who has ears, let them hear. Then listen to the parable of the sower, right? Jesus is, is pressing in, hey, hear the word of God. Jesus in flesh is here, and then Jesus is speaking, and he's like, hey, are you listening? Are you paying attention? And so he's saying, hey, this is why I'm speaking to them in parables. I like how, just to kind of sum it up of why he is, I like how one commentator said, he says, a parable conceals truth from those who are too lazy to think or too blinded by prejudice to see. It puts the responsibility fairly and squarely on the individual. It reveals truth to them who desires truth. It conceals truth from those who do not wish to see the truth. Right? The same sun, the word of God, same sun either melts the wax or hardens the clay. And that's what Jesus is saying. Here, here's the word of God. It's either going to melt your heart because you're willing to look at it, or it's going to harden your heart continually because you don't want to listen to it. And so he says then in verse 18, hear then, listen, listen to the parable of the sower. And Jesus, again, he doesn't do this in in all parables, but he explains it here. So um, it's kind of like, and he, he explains it here. So it's like, hey, the seed... The seed that the the sower throws out there, that's the word of the kingdom. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's God speaking. That's the seed. And um, then the soils that that the seed that the word of God is landing in, that represents us, that represents our hearts. How are you receiving the word of God? That's depicted by these, these four soils. How is the word of God penetrating you and in your heart? And so, um, 
Verse, verse 4, this, and now we're just going to kind of get into the parable itself. Verse 4, he says, As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them up. Verse 19, he interprets that. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and does, doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one that is along the path. And so the first heart is this, the hard heart. First oil is that, the, the hard heart. This is a person that's really not interested in what God is saying. Not interested in Jesus, not interested in the gospel. Hey, this is kind of presented to them or said to them, and it's just kind of like, no thank you. I don't think I really need that. And here's kind of the crazy things: like you can have the word of God, again, the word of God, the 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 creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the God who knows everything. You can have the word of God right there and nothing happens. Right? Jesus is right there and, and there's just this hardness, this, will, this unwillingness to receive, to listen in any way to the word of God. I think we see this a lot. I mean, like, hey, the Bible makes it very clear that each and every one of us is broken. We're dead in our sin. We're separated from God on our own. We all sin, right? And that, that's not a very popular thing to say, right? We, our culture wants to think that they themselves are good, that everybody's good. Hey, man, you're going to talk to me about sin? I don't know if I really want to listen to any of that. Hey, but yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you're broken, broken and all of those things. But man, Jesus paid the price for you, for your sin. But... The, the, hard, the hard heart just can't accept it, can't listen to it. And if you've been reading or, or tracking with in the book of Matthew, the soil very much depicts the Pharisees. The very hard, they, they seem like they can't hear anything that Jesus is saying. They're, they're very religious. And I'd say that, that, a, that a heart that is very steeped in religion is typically hard. Because... They want to think that they can do it. Do it on their own. Hey, I can be good enough. I don't know if I really need God. I don't know if I really need grace. I am a good person. Do I really need the cross? Do I really need those things? And so it just, the word of God just hits and bounces right off. I mean, again, we don't, people don't like to hear about, about sin, but they don't always like exactly grace here hey this is a gift of god i mean i was talking with, with somebody who's like no no hey it's it's not how good you are and jesus it's just jesus that is how you're saved that is how you come to know christ it is by the grace of god i don't think so i have to do something right you just have to respond and then accept the gift of god no i also have to be good right there's a resistance to grace because of a religious heart. Some of the things that, that can just create a hardness of heart, maybe something really bad happened in life. And, and, and that is tough. That's really hard. But it, sometimes that can just be like, it can create this, this callousness, this hardness of, I don't know if I really want to listen to that because of what has happened. And this, the, the seed, the word of God, gets nowhere in the soil, no root. No growth. Doesn't even sprout. 
Let me give you another example of what maybe this could just look like in your life. Because with all these soils, I think sometimes we think like, well, who's saved and who's not? Who, who are the, who, what are the soils that, that are going to go to heaven when they die, and who are the soils that aren't? And I think you could kind of do that with some of the soils. Jesus doesn't really do that so much with the soils. But I think also every single one of us could be one of these soils given on a day. Right? A week, you're like, man, I feel like I'm doing amazing. I'm the good soil. And other days, you're like, mm, I don't think so. I don't want to listen to anything. And so, so if you're like, hey, I do know Christ and I've trusted in him, again, the heart soil might de- depict you. I think here's one of the ways that that could look like in your life is, hey, you, you hear the word of God, maybe, maybe in your um, you know, in a, a city group or, or maybe, maybe at a sermon, and you're not really thinking about how at all this applies to you. I mean, you, you go to lunch, and you're talking with your friend or with your spouse, and this is the conversation. Did you like that? Did you think the sermon was good? Man, Ricky went too long. Ricky wasn't funny enough. Rather than, what does God want to say to me? You're critiquing something as if it's only there for you to give you what you want, rather than for God to shape you and change you to be more like Christ. Right? You, it's a hard heart, saying this is for me, rather than what does the word of God want to do in me? And so you critique it, and then whatever was said, snatched away. It's gone. No fruit, no growth, no nothing. So that's the hard heart. Next is this, is the shallow, or the next heart is this, the shallow heart. Verse 5, other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But the sun came up, verse 6, and it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And then he explains this in, in verse 20. And the one sown, the, the seed that's thrown, sown on the rocky ground, is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root, and it's short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. So this is a shallow heart. This is the kind of person who, who you hear the word of God and you respond. There's, there's, there's even emotion in this. There's, I mean, like, notice that they're like, they're, they receive it with joy. They're excited. Wow, that was cool. And it's short-lived. Doesn't really last very long. It sprouts up. It might even be the first one to sprout up. And it's like, whoa, that's awesome. It's the most promising one. But it quickly fades. I, th- I think a lot of times this can look like people that are like, oh, yeah, hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? Well, yeah, years ago I kind of prayed this prayer. I went to church a few times. I came to church because I had to because of premarital counseling. Needed a pastor to do, do the ceremony, but then there's just no depth. Right? A little tr- trouble comes. A little, a little hiccup in life comes. And it's just like, eh. I went to Bible study a few times. Oh, life is not smooth sailing. Boom. It's kind of over. Hey, I'm doing a little good. I'm kind of on fire for Jesus. Oh, and then I'm gone. There's no really real life, long-lasting change. No greater love for Jesus. No little to no repentance. 
Hey, you're kind of moral, but there's no root. This is, if you think about it in the story of Matthew, this is kind of like a lot of the crowd. Right there, there with Jesus because he's healing people. This is awesome, man. You're healing this person. Hey, I have this person sick, and I'm going to bring him to you. But that's kind of all they're there for. They're just there for the show. They're there to, to see what's going on. They get kind of excited, but they're not really fully grasping the Word of God. They're not really listening for, for, to receive the Word of God. They're there to get a solution to their problem. I think this is what the, the rocky soil looks like a lot of times. It's like people coming to Jesus, not for a Savior, but for a solution. And, you know, notice the first one, it does, nothing happens, right? The, the seed doesn't penetrate at all. This one, it get, gets a little bit, but again, it's very shallow. And so it's like, hey, Jesus, I'm in charge, and come serve me. Come serve me and my kingdom. Not for me to come serve you and your kingdom. Come do what I want you to do. And the moment that Jesus doesn't do what you want them to do, or what, what you want him to do, boom, out. Right? I would, I would say that in many ways, this is like cultural Christianity, some of you hear this stuff, there's really no intention of, of actually changing your life according to the Word of God. No intention of applying it. You, you want a faith that costs you nothing. You want it to be very comfortable, very convenient for you. And God is there to make life a blessing for you. And the moment any kind of like anything happens, boom, it quickly fades. And so the, that's just the shallow heart. Third one is this, the, the divided heart. By the way, it will get happier later on, you know. So um, the, the third one is this, um, the divided heart, the thorny soil. It's divided, it's, it's distracted, it's congested. Look at um, verse, um, verse 22. Now the one sown among the thorns, it, this is the one who hears the word. But the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And so this one, the, the, hey, the seed gets in there. There, there is a plant and it, and, it, and it survives. The plant's still around. But it's like, hey, the, there's, there's competition. There's the seed that was sown, the, the crop, but then there's also the thorns. They're both there. Hey, there's, there's kind of some grass, but it's, it's, it's not super green. It's kind of yellow. And, the, and the, what was sown, it isn't first place. It shares the place. Right? So it's divided. Hey, and, and um, there's shared loyalty. There's shared allegiance in that person's heart. Yes, there's God, but there's also this, and it's, it's kind of like, hey, there, there's competition. And I want you to notice what's going on in the soils with the seed. So the first seed falls on the hard soil, and it goes nowhere. Nothing happens, right? The next one, it gets a little bit there, gets, but it's shallow, so it doesn't really last very long. You know, there's, there's growth, but it doesn't last very long. The third one, 
It gets a little bit deeper, and, and the plant survives, but notice it's on equal, it's, it, it's, the seed is the same depth as the, as the thorns. So notice the seed is getting deeper, right? The Word of God is getting deeper into the soil, into our hearts. But here it's, it's equally deep as the thorns, equally deep as, as other things. Hold, holds equal place. Right? There's competition. And so Jesus is saying, hey, they hear the word of God, but there's a priorities problem. Right? The heart is too busy. It's all concerned about the cares of life. There's competition. And, and hey, it's not like the, this heart is, is conscious necessarily to rejecting God's word or, or just not really receiving it. But, but the seed is not sinking deeper. God's word is getting crowded out by other things, and so there's a lack of fruit. And here's the thing. Weeds and thorns are tricky. I mean, in my yard, which is probably just as equally good as Alex's yard, who spends way longer on it, but I mean, yeah, there's some stuff. And I'll say with, with weeds, you kind of get used to them because it's like, well, it's not that bad. And gosh, they're, they're annoying but I don't know if I really want to get rid of all of them or pick them all up. That's, that's kind of some work. Well, as long as it's not like overtaking my yard, it's okay. You kind of allow them to hang around. And, and, and I'll just be honest with you guys, like this is the one soil that I struggle the most to be. I'm not saying you. I probably also assume you, but, you know, you know my, my, my weakness, you know, sin, just I'm going to impose on you. But, um, but yeah, this is the one I struggle the most to be, to, for my heart to be. Distracted, contested, competition with the Word of God. That prevents, you know, and because of these other things in my life, it prevents flourishing, prevents fruit. And so, what, what, what is that? What has competition? What's causing division in your heart? From you really receiving, listening, the Word of God, for you, for you being fruitful. And again, this is, this is a heart thing, but I just, I just want to give you some examples of what this might look like. And some of these, I'll admit, that they might feel a little pointed, and I'm not trying to just like, yeah, zing you, but I am wanting to, to, to help do what the parable is encouraging us to do is, is assess, is examine ourselves. And so what this might look like is, you know, and Jesus says, the cares of life. Cares of life, how's that choking out the Word of God? I think many of us are phone-rich, Netflix-rich, and Word-poor. Is, is, is Netflix constantly, your phone consistently distracting you from listening to God speak? I know that we all say that we're busy, but let's just be honest. We're busy on dumb things that don't matter. Right? I, I am. When it's like, hey, here's your weekly screen time. Here's how many day, hours, you're a, hours you're averaging on your phone. Hardly any of it's fruitful. What's happening to me? Competition. I'm not busy. I'm busy doing fruitless things. Is that a consistent pattern in your life? Where you're like, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm flir Netflix is flourishing. 
Instagram is flourishing. Word of God choked out. Kids' activities. And again, here's the tricky thing with thorns, like, you know, in, in our life. It's not like it's like, hey, word of God, meth. <laughs> right? That, that typically, typically, you know, if you're like, no, that is with it. Hey, let's talk later. That's, hot. That's great. Like, but, it, but it's usually something like the things that compete with us with God and the fruitfulness of God's word in our life typically aren't like horrible things. There may be good things, but they're, it's a priorities problem. Right? Kids' activities, good thing. But is that, do you treat like kids' activities, that's real commitment. Listening to God, engaging with God and his family, optional commitment. Again, I'm not saying it's bad to go to kids' activities. I'm just, just encouraging you, hey, is there a heart problem there? And just be honest. Not, not just for you, but are you encouraging one for your kid? There's competition in their heart. Because if you make one of these things optional, and then later on in life, they still think that thing's optional, right? commitment to, the, to family, to the Word of God, they went the way that you trained them to go. Does that make sense? Right? Don't be like, oh, crud, they don't want to be at church. Well, you train them that way. I don't think I could come fix them for you. Right? Is, that, is, that, is there a competition like that? How are these things just choking you out? Or, or is it your job? Wanting to make sure that you get ahead, that you get more money. He says the deceitfulness of wealth. He doesn't just say wealth, but it's like, but it's tricky. It's deceitful. Right? It's not like wealth is bad. But is there, are you being tricked? And it's choking these things out. You're always wanting to buy more, get more, experience more, rather than listen to God more. How is there this competition? There's compromise, division, distraction in your heart. I, I think that, honestly, what prevents people way more from experiencing God is not doubt, it's distraction. How is that going on in your life? And again, thorns don't choke suddenly, right? But gradually, gradually, and they're not always apparent. And so there's the, the divided heart. Last one is the humble heart, humble heart. Verse 23, verse 23, um, but the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who produces fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Here the seed gets deeper into the soil. There, there's, there's a depth of the word. It takes priority. It has first place, the depth of the gospel. And I want you to know, this is not a person that has it all figured out. Right? There's, not, there's not a person that's like, man, they know everything, and they're the ones that produce fruit. No, it's just, and, and if you, the reason I call it the humble heart is, again, if you look through the book of Matthew, that's what Jesus is emphasizing, humility. Not people that are smart, but humility. Are you receiving this? And again, contrasting it to those that are callous and dull. And they're producing fruit. And, and that might be a question like, what do you mean by fruit? I, I think it takes... It's a lot of different things. Yeah, it could be sharing the gospel with somebody. It could just be serving somebody else, loving somebody else, being intentional with your kids. I, I think fruit even looks like repentance. Turning like, hey, there is sin, but there's a turning away from it. Turning to Christ. Man, hey, 
The word of God is, is, is speaking to me this way, and I don't line up with that. That's not how I think. That's not how I live. But I'm going to go to Christ with that. And then the soil produces fruit, lots of fruit. And, and, but they're differing amounts of fruit. It's not all the same. Are you, the amount of fruit that, that's produced in and through you might be different than somebody else, and that's fine. Right? This should be encouraging us. The, the, the soil kind of ends on a, the parable ends on a high note. Right? This soil is good. This, the Word of God is, is, is thriving. It's producing things. And again, don't think that this is all of a sudden. That it just, oh, planted tomorrow, fruit. Boom. This takes time. A couple weeks ago, I planted some, some I'm trying to do a garden. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and so we planted some, some watermelon. Somebody said it was easy. So I was like, hey, let's do that. And, and so this is a couple weeks ago. And this whole time, I'm, you know, we're watering it. And I'm just looking at this dirt. And I'm just like, I hope this is happening. Because this will be a big waste of my time. And I'm going to be like, no garden next year. But, but now it's like, oh, they're starting to see some sprouts. And it's not like, not watermelon. I'm saying leaves, just like the little peep. You're like, yay, it's working. Something happened. Um, I did it. I didn't really do anything. But, you know, the, like, that's what it is with the Word of God. It, it's not all of a sudden. It takes time. It takes time for God's Word to work in your heart, to, to change you, to shape you. And again, it's, it's differing amounts. And in, in this parable, the, the, the thrust of the parable is, is on soil, right? The assumption is that the sower is good. Whoever's spreading the seed, that's good. The seed is good. It's God's word. I think a lot of times we, we think that we need to kind of cushion the gospel. I need, to, I need to change it. But Jesus here is saying, hey, it's not how well you share the gospel. It's not you trying to sugarcoat the gospel or anything like that. The issue is people's hearts. That's what it is. And, and so this parable moves us, moves the listeners, originally moves you and I today to ask this question, which soil am I? Which soil am I today? Which soil kind of characterizes my life? Some, again, some weeks you might feel like the shallow soil, you might feel like the good soil, sometimes you might feel like the thorny soil. But right now, right now in the season, what soil are you most like? And then this, I guess, I'm guessing a lot of you are asking this question. Okay, I am the soil. How do I become the good soil? Right? I want, you know, there, I think that most of us are like, I want to be the good soil. I want that to be normal in my life, that, that I'm hearing God's word, that I'm intentional with it, that, it ta that God takes first part in my life, and that there's fruit, there's flourishing of God in my life. And so this, in, this parable invites us to action. And so here's just three things real quick of, hey, how, how do we become the soil that where the word of God flourishes? First, I just say this, man, give your life to Christ. If you have not trusted in Jesus as your Savior, if you've been kind of this the hard soil all your life and you don't know Christ, give your life to Jesus. 
Don't think that you have to be amazing. Don't think that you have to be, oh man, hey, I, need, I need to kind of clean myself up. I need to fix myself. And if I stop doing this, and then I'll think, or if I haven't been to church enough, or I haven't been baptized, or any of these things, then if I do all those things, then I could come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. You're not, you're not made right with God. You're not saved right with God because of Jesus and you being good or because of Jesus and you haven't done really bad things or because you're going to clean yourself up is the gift of God. It is by what Christ has done for you that he died on the cross, that he paid the price for you. He died in your place and he rose again. So just trusting in him. And so I just encourage you, hey, if you haven't really given your life to Christ, Give your life to Jesus. Trust in him as, as your savior today. Second thing, if you're like, hey, how do I, how do I change? How do I become the, the, the soil where, where um, God's word flourishes? Ask God for help. A soil, I've never seen dirt just suddenly change itself to new dirt. I haven't experienced a lot of stuff with dirt, first of all. But, but right, like dirt doesn't change itself by itself. What does dirt need to help dirt be awesome dirt? A gardener, right? So, so go to the gardener, ask Jesus. J Jesus, right now I am the thorny soil. I'm so distracted. I'm so busy. I'm so having, having all of this divided heart where the, all of these things are competing for my heart. And the word of God just isn't flourishing in my life. God, please help me. Help me to listen to you. Help me to not have this... Like, to have proper place of these other things in my life so that you take priority, so that the Word of God flourishes. I, Lord, I want the Word of God to sink deeper into me, into my soul. Ask God for help. Or, or if you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to share God's Word with somebody else, pray. Ask God to help soften their heart so that they receive the Word of God. It's not, it's not just because you're going to present it so awesomely or just suddenly have an amazing nugget that they're going to be like, wow, that's probably not it. Just pray that they would be able to hear God's, God's word. So just ask God for help. Continually pray. Help me to be this kind of soil. Third thing, this is the last thing. Let the gospel, let the word of God get deeper into you. The power of, of change, the power of transformation, the power of fruit doesn't come from the soil, but it comes from the seed. From the, from the word of God, the seed has the power. The, the, seed, the seeds, seeds have power to change dirt into force. See, see, seeds have power to change dirt into crops. Nobody drives by a cornfield and is like, man, that's some cool dirt. Right? They're like, man, look at all that corn. Right? What did that? The seed, not the soil. And so allow the, the seed, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to get deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart and soul. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 1, David, David says this. He says, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, in his law, in his word. And he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted besides, or beside flint streams that bear its fruit in its season. Meditating on God's word. Thinking about those things. Me and my son Carson have been watching Stranger Things, season four, volume one. It was awesome. 
And I'm going down there one night to, to tuck him in. I'm like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And he just starts talking about stranger things. I'm like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? It was super fun. And so, so, so like, there's this, like, depth, if you will, of talking about stranger things and, and thinking about those things. Man, talk about the Word of God with the people around you, with your spouse, with your kids. Kids, ask your parents questions. Meditating on, the, on God's Word. Even if you're like, I don't understand this, it's allowing the Word of God to get depth into your heart. How does the gospel apply to my way of thinking? How does the gospel apply to my life right now? As, as, the, as the gospel, as the Word of God gets deeper into you, you're changed. I listened to something by, by Tim Keller, and he pointed this out. In Galatians 2, Paul, or no, Peter, the apostle, the disciple, Peter, is he's hanging out with these Gentiles, these people that aren't Jews, and then he withdraws from them when the Jews come. Like, oh, hey, we're buddies. Oh, but now these other people are here, and they're not going to like me hanging out with you, so I'm just not going to hang out with you anymore. And he goes and eats with them. And then Paul addresses Peter. And, but Paul doesn't say, you shouldn't do that. That's racism. That's bad. Don't do that. Right? He doesn't say that. Because Paul knows, hey, this isn't like necessarily, that, that's not going to produce what, that's not the problem. But Paul says he was not walking in step with the gospel. Hey, Peter, you're not being changed because the gospel needs to get deeper into your heart right now. Right? You're so concerned with what other people think. The gospel needs to change and shape you, get deeper into you. What helps you forgive somebody in your life? Is it because they deserve it? No. It's because Christ forgave you first. How do you serve somebody else? Is it because they're awesome? Or because you just always so much want to serve somebody else? Or is it because Christ first served you? Why do we even love God? Because he first loved us. Except, completely loved us, completely accept, accepts us. And so as God's word, as the truth of the gospel get deeper and deeper into you, you'll be changed. So are you consistently just looking at God's, God's word, the gospel, and just allowing it to get take deeper depth into your life? So going, going back to the flight attendant, and then the safety instructions on a plane, right? We're, we all pretty much check out when that happens, when they start to give those instructions. But here, here's a question I'd have for you. What if you knew before takeoff that the plane was going to be face some trouble, that the plane might even go down? Would you pay attention to the safety instructions then? We would, right? Because you would say, I'll pay attention now because my life depends on it. Your life depends on the Word of God more than you can imagine. God, God is speaking to you. This is good news, guys. I mean, God is saying, hey, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is who you could be in me, not because of how good you are, but because of what I've done for you. This, I'm revealing myself to you. He's even ultimately revealing himself, not just through Jesus speaking the word, but Jesus is the word who came. The word came flesh. I'm showing you who I am, and Jesus is life. Moses says about the word of God, these are not just idle words. These words are your life. 
Guys, your life does depend on the Word of God, not just for salvation, not just for where you're going to spend eternity. That is true, but for every day experiencing intimacy with your Creator, with your Lord. Your life depends on the Word of God. For you, loving God, loving others, the Word of God. For you being able to, to just face the insecurities in your life, feeling like you don't measure up, that you don't have all the answers, that worrying about your finances, all these things, the Word of God. Your life depends on it. And just like Jesus said, let him who has ears hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, Lord, I pray that Lord, that we would just be honest, that we wouldn't feel shame, that we wouldn't feel, um, I don't know, just overcome. Lord, if, if, this, if our life is characterized by, by soil that we don't want to be, that we shouldn't be, Lord, I pray that you just encourage us and help us to, to take it to you, Lord, to ask you for help. Lord, help me to move towards this being a soil, being, being a heart that just receives your word. Lord, that, that more and more over, that you have first place in my heart, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that, pray that you'd give us strength, pray that you'd give us help, uh, and just, to, just help the Word of God to get deeper into our hearts, Lord, so that we are changed, that we are transformed, because, God, you are speaking. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you stand, and let's reflect together and respond in song.